Welcome to Takeaways, Life Lessons Learned. I'm your host, Hayam Mizrahi. Join me as I explore my takeaways from the people who have influenced me the most. Let's get started. My guest today is Summer Hollingsworth, who is president and CEO of the Nevada Development Authority, which later became the LVGEA, the Las Vegas Global Economic Alliance. He was the CEO of NDA for 18 years and then spent another two years there helping it transition to the LVGEA. I know that's a lot of acronyms. If you know Summer, you know he's a storyteller, he's charismatic, and for this episode, we just get right into it. So sit back. And enjoy, because we're going on a wild ride. I grew up in Midland, Texas. We were talking. I say I grew up. I left there when I was eight or nine years old. My dad was in, um, was in World War II, got shot up in Germany pretty bad. Um, he, had a, he was with the tank destroyers. He had trained at Fort Hood in Texas. The first run they made in North Africa, he was the only survivor. They then took him and put him in Italy, where there was another big front going on of Nazis, and uh, then they put him in Germany, and he got shot in Germany, and he was in a hospital for about a year in, uh, in France and came home. No such thing as post-traumatic when they, in those days, you know. Oh, he's shell-shocked. But he was never the same. And, but he was extremely smart. He was really brilliant. Went, a billet shot him in the back of the leg. Seventy years later, my Marine buddies, I'm a big vet. I, I wasn't in the service. I really loved the vets. I support them all. Most of my uncles were Marines. The Marines, 70 years later, got my dad's Purple Heart for me. And, wow. Oh, what a ceremony that was. I, I just came undone. But now he's okay now. You know, I'm, I mean, he passed on, but he, he, he's got what I wanted to get him. And um, it was um, Midland was that we were talking earlier. Midland was the Permian Basin oil. So you had also the Friday Night Lights with Midland, Odessa, and Big Spring, which was where you got your scholarship to get out of that toilet. We'd been in Texas for 150 years, so I was born there. And my dad comes home from work one day. He worked always worked two jobs. And we moved between Odessa. Hmm. We lived in a trailer. We, lived, uh, we moved between Odessa and Midland and Big Spring, depending on where he could find two jobs. And, uh, and I don't know if we owned the house that we were in, the final house, so my dad uh, comes home one day, and he goes, listen, he says, we're moving to uh, Las Vegas. I'm looking, I go, uh, we're moving to Las Vegas? He goes, yeah. He says, well, why? I said, why? He says, well, my, his sister lived in Henderson, 69 Mallory Street, with her husband and my cousin, two-bedroom house, and they said, you stay with us as long as you need to until he can get a job. Well, my dad had taken a correspondence course from LaSalle University uh, while we lived in Midland, and got a degree as a, um, as a um, uh, what the heck was it? Um, he got a degree as a accountant, because it was three or four degrees he got, but that was the one he picked. And, um, and he says, and uh, it's the opportunity. And I, he says, in Vegas, he said, you can work 24 Seven, he said. So you work eight hours. You work eight hours. You sleep eight hours. And that's what that's what he would do. He says, if you can't get ahead in Las Vegas, there's something wrong with you. He said, it's Mecca. 
He said, it's where we belong. And I said, okay. I says, but hey, Dad, what about my scholarship? Because I was, we were playing football in the fourth and fifth grade. And I'll never forget it. My dad was so kind. He looks down and he goes, ah, I've seen you play football and you ain't getting no scholarship. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, my goodness. Anyway, <laughs> never looked back. Always thanked him for everything. He went to work for an accounting firm for a year. After that year, we moved to Las, we moved from Henderson to Las Vegas, and he opened up his own place and never looked back. He had this beautiful accounting firm, and nearly everybody were contractors because that's who he was f- familiar with. So he gave me the lifetime opportunity. You know, you're, I'm, you're in Las Vegas, and, and let's see what you can do. Uh, I wasn't really big on school. I would rather screw around than go to school. But I went to school in fifth grade in Henderson. Then we moved to Las Vegas, uh, and they were trying to. We, we were the, one of the first families to build in Twin Lakes. We were right on Washington Avenue, which Lorenzi's across the street now. Mm-hmm. Was this gorgeous pasture, with with trees that trunks that were three four hundred years old, irrigation ditches all over the place with like strange little red crabs that lived in it and and swam in it. Really? And had, yeah, and you had Twin Lakes Lodge. All artesian well, one artesian well fill three uh, lakes and swimming pool, all artesian. If you went to swim, it was 115 outside in the summer, and they had a big round thing in the middle with water coming out. You got in that pool, you thought you were going to die. It was so cold, Cause it, and it's still there. <laughs> the pool's gone, but the artesian well is still there. And, um, and my dad, so we, we, we moved into Twin Lakes and went to part-time to the to the school downtown, the old Fifth Street Grammar School, uh, for half a year mm-hmm. while Twin Lakes was still being built. Then it wasn't on time, so I went to another one. Anyway, long and short, finally got out of, there was no junior high schools here. There was Rancho High School and Las Vegas High School. And uh, uh, Rancho High School, nobody wanted to go there because it was a tough school. So because tough, we, tough as in? Tough as in you want to get your face punched in. Got it. That's and what I'm, I thought. I, Not no, tough academically. Uh, no, 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 <laughs> no. No, that wasn't the case. Yeah. Uh, uh, so they had Vegas and Rancho. And the school guys got together and said, well, if, you, if your kid wants to go to Vegas, you have to take him and deliver him mm-hmm. and pick him up because we can provide a bus for Rancho. And my dad said, and I said to my dad, I said, ah, that's where I really want to go. That's where, you know, that's pretty nice. And he goes, I can't. He says, I'm running a company. I can't come drop you off, pick you up, and do all that stuff. Okay. I says, he says, why don't you want to go to Rancho? I says, Dad, Rancho High School thinks living in Twin Lakes is rich, the kids there. They think we have money. And he goes, you're serious? I said, I'm dead serious. I said, so, get on the bus. So, get off the bus at Rancho. Usually there's a fight. And I wasn't, I wasn't always in the fight. Getting on the bus, go back home. Now they could really pick you out, and there's usually a fight, two or three. Except when I get ready to go to Rancho, the first day of school, my dad takes me up to Rancho, and I think the principal's the principal was this great, wonderful guy. And my dad walks in and sits down, and introduces himself, introduces me, and he says, uh, Arenas, and he says, uh, uh, this is my son, this is who I am. He goes, if he gets out of line, he says, don't you dare lay a hand on him. And I'm going... Okay, that's cool, Dad. He says, you call me, I will come up here, and I will kick his ass <laughs> up and down every sidewalk in Rancho High School. And the principal's going, really? He goes, absolutely. He goes, he's a handful. You don't have to fool with him. You let me know. 
and get outside. And I said, are you serious? He goes, I'll whip your ass in front of everybody. He says, now, what do you think of that? He says, you're going to go to school, and you're going to get it. You're going to graduate. So he really set the tone for you. Oh, absolutely. Well, Rancho, somebody one time said, what, what was the basis of Rancho? It was a tough school. I said, every, I, I, I said, every race, creed, and color went to Rancho. We were all buddies. I said, it didn't make any, there was no problem whatsoever. Every race, creed, color, it didn't make any difference. We were at Rancho High School. And he goes, uh, he goes well, what was, all the, what was all the fighting about? I said, well, it was usually with Vegas High School. I said, you have to understand, we had one common denominator at Rancho. We were all poor kids. We didn't have any money. I said, you think we primered a hot rod because we wanted to see that ugly black paint on it? We had no money. You know, I said, we made do with what we had. And I said, and it was the greatest. I'm still friends with guys I grew up with that went to Rancho. And, and, and they've all made something of themselves. You know, when you're down that low, it's the only way up is up. And, and that's, what, that's what so many of them did. They, they, they made a lot, of, uh, a lot of money for themselves, but they were very proud of the things that they did. And you had the Mormons were a big part of our lives there. because the Already Mormons, at high school, you, you, you felt the influence? Oh, oh, the Mormons ran North Las Vegas, still do today. So that became part of it. You know, they invite us to the dances and stuff. Uh, you know, they wanted to recruit us, but they were really sweet people. And we had we were just a great time. My dad became very, very good friends uh, and was the accountant for uh, Sheriff Lamb. And, mm-hmm. of course, Sheriff Lamb was Mormon. So when I got, when I finally got thrown in jail for the third time in high school for oh, raising— Oh, this, this story just took a turn. <laughs> oh, yeah, for raising hell. It went from your dad set you straight to a third time in jail. Well, yeah, you know, um, we'd go out and, and drink and cruise Fremont Street, and there'd be a—you know, sometimes there'd be a beef, sometimes there wouldn't. Uh, but uh, it was, but I had Uncle Ralph uh, cruising Fremont Street one night. Well, no, no. I, I, I then graduated from Rancho. Is this the kind of stuff you want to hear? Yeah. So, oh, I, 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 you know, I was, you took us from Texas to Vegas to high school. So you graduated yeah. high school. Here's what I know about you. Um, and I didn't want to do a long read of a resume or a bio because. Your name, Summer Hollingsworth. Everyone knows you in this community. They know what you've done, what you're about. Uh, so, Texas to Vegas to high school. I know that you were in banking, so I absolutely want to hear about your life as a banker. And you went from banking to running the NDA, the Nevada Development Authority, okay. for 18 years, I understand. And then for the last two years, you were there for 20. Right. For the last two years, you were helping the, to facilitate a transition from the NDA to the LVGEA, the Las Vegas Global and Economic Alliance. So I'm curious to hear about your experiences there. Um, okay. I'm a marketing guy. I went to UNLV. I got a marketing degree. And uh, you, I believe, have marketing in your veins, too. So oh, yeah. I really will get into uh, some That's- stories about about the, the provocative messages you guys put out back at the NDA. But let's stay with you just graduated high school. Take us from that to your pathway to banking. Okay. Okay. Uh- I went to UNLV. I went to Nevada Southern University. I got thrown out twice. Uh, the second time, they said, "Don't come back for fighting in class." Mm-hmm. Somebody it was, you know, somebody had smart off, and I'd get up, and here we go, we get in a fist fight in class. So they um, and the grades weren't pristine. So uh, my my mom, there was thirteen kids in my mom's family. 
Two of them ended up being bankers in Clovis, New Mexico. One was president of one bank and one was president of the other. They called Uncle Howard, who was the, the, the easiest one, and said, can you help us get him in school in Eastern New Mexico University in Portales, New Mexico, which is basically a farm town, and it's a business school. And he says, yes. He says, but he's got to promise he won't ruin my reputation because of that. So I had to go back to UNLV. New Mexico said, you have to be reaccepted at Nevada Southern before we'll accept you here. Okay. So I went down there and, um, and graduated in 67. And I got uh, a major and a minor major was business and then came back home. So my dad was good friends with Herb Stout. Herb Stout was president of uh, Bank of Las Vegas. And so I, I interviewed with them, and they gave me a job. I, got, I was making $300 a month. I had a, a baby from my, my first wife. I unfortunately got married more than I should have. Uh, but I, but I, and to probably some people I shouldn't have. And uh, so I went to work there. And that's, oh, 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 but, but, in, but in between, in between. I'm 15 years old. I don't mean to get stuff on your floor. I get excited and start talking about this stuff. I'm 15 years old. My aunt is working at Market Town. The Jewish mob built Sunrise Hospital. They built Market Town. And they're three, where is Market Town? Market Town is where Las Vegas Boulevard and Main Street come together. Okay. Yeah, White Cross Drug used to uh-huh. be. Okay. okay. I'm there. Yep. This was their, their baby. So my aunt's working there as a checker, and it's a grocery store, and she calls me and says, they're going to hire, they need a box boy, come down and interview. I said, okay. Mom takes me down there because I can't drive. I go inside. I meet everybody there. I meet Al Warboys, Art Lurie was there, Jackie Dvorak, it was her deli, Carl Lieb ran the liquor store. It was, it was, all, it was all Jews. And, and, and I'm, we never talked about race, creed, or color in my family. So it wasn't like, you know, okay, that's great. So met with, uh, with uh, War Boys, and uh, he said, okay, he says, we, we're, you're a little bit ahead of us. Check back in. Okay. So next day, my mom dropped me off, and I go <laughs> in again. The fourth day I go in, I go, Mr. War Boys goes, you're back? I go, I really need this job. And you said, check in. He says, I didn't mean every damn day. I says, okay, I'm really sorry. He goes, no, you want it that bad? He gets on the microphone and he says, attention, attention. He says, somebody get the token Jew an apron and put him to work. <laughs> and I go, what's a token Jew? He says, uh, a goy. A to- it's a, it's a, the token Jew is a goy. You're a goy. He, I said, what does that mean? He goes, we don't have to hire any more white people. <laughs> and I'm on the floor. I'm laughing crazy. And it was like this incredible family. They shared everything. I started going to funerals. I didn't know what they were saying. You know, I'm going to weddings. I don't know what they're saying, really. I'm, you know, it's like, and they go on forever. The funerals went on for hours and hours. And and Carl Lieb will end up... He was Elliot Lieb's father. Carl Elliot Lieb ended up being one of my dearest friends. I didn't know him then. But we still talk about it, and I'm still friends with some people there. Most of, most of the old Jews have died, which was unfortunate. So, um, so um, anyway, I get to know him. So I come back home. I go to work for Bank of Las Vegas. They're training me, and I, I got a front desk, and I'm learning operations. They really had a good training program. You never really, you never really see um, the boss, and when he when he would come, Peter, uh, Mr. Thomas, but he was always there, and Jerry Mack would come in from time to time. So anyway, I'm sitting at my desk one day, and so many of our customers are Jewish, and right across the parking lot from where we were 
was a brokerage firm, a big brokerage firm, and they had offered me a job. And I said, no, I really like it over here. I felt, number one, I felt obligated. Number two, you know, I don't, I don't, I didn't really understand stocks, but I was beginning to understand banking. Jerry Mack comes in one day, sits down at my desk and says, hi. He goes, you know who I am? I said, no, I certainly don't. He goes, I'm Jerry Mack. I go, oh, Mr. Mack, I'm sorry. I said, I never had a chance to meet you. He goes, well, I'm Perry's partner. I says, no, I know that. I know that. He says, he says to me, he says, what do you see out there? We had 12 teller windows. And we had three blanks over here, which you got cashier's checks, pager note, whatever. And, and uh, he says, I says, I see lines out the door. He goes, that's exactly right. He goes, why are those three windows not open? I says, well, because I said, and I have nothing to do with that. I said, because they're this, this, and this. Okay. He goes, so if I was to come back tomorrow, what would happen? And I go, the lines would probably still be out to the street. He goes, no, I mean with the three windows. I said, obviously, you want me to open them. And I said, they'll be open. Comes in the next day, sits down at my desk, lines. Now we got 15 lines that are out the door. Sits down at my desk, says, okay. He says, what do you see? I said, well, I said, the people are, are happy. They're standing in line, but they're okay. He goes, that's right. He says, because human nature looks at those and says, what the hell's wrong with this bank? They got my money, but they ain't got all the windows open. And he goes, you just learned something today. And I said, what's that? He goes, if they don't come in, I don't need you. <laughs> I went, oh, my God. <laughs> but that's how he explained it. And what, it was a What fact. a good basic lesson. Absolutely. The best basic lesson you can start out with. They're here for your job. That's what secures your job. You take care of them, and you'll always have a job. So that's when it, the education started for me with those guys. And then I got to know, uh, um, and, and then so I was there. I was there when it became Bank of Las Vegas. And I decided that uh, I got drafted by another bank, and I decided I would go with them. And that was Pioneer Citizens Bank. And so I went to work for them. Uh, they had a branch downtown. They were out of Reno. Now, they were, Reno is mostly, is mostly northern Italians, and they, they run, they've always run the town. They always do. But they think that they own Nevada. So it was difficult when you have meetings, you know. And they call one day and said, we're not going to have that uh, check guarantee card anymore. I go, great. I says, then shut the branch down. What do you mean? I says, you can't cash a check in Vegas without a check guarantee card from your bank. Well, that's stupid. I said, it's law. So if you want to shut it down, just let me know, and I'll go get another job real quick. Uh, later became president of that bank and moved to Reno for a year, which was just was not my cup of tea. I left that. I kind of did, uh, kind of was goofing around with different things. And I had a very dear friend that called me one day. She'd been in Vegas forever. And she called me and she said, um, there's, uh, there's going to be an opening for president of the Nevada Development Authority. I said, I never heard of it. And she goes, nobody has. She says, but they've got a great board, and you you probably, uh, I would like you, i open the door for you, and you can go, you know, talk to them. I said, okay. Um, so I did. Before we go to the NDA part, can we go back a bit for a second? In your, How many years did you spend in banking? 30. Wow. Yeah. And the time in Vegas back then, um, Gaming was legalized in the state, but not federally. Right. 
which is similar to what we have now with, with cannabis. Right. And I think it was Perry Thomas, as the first banker said, well, it's legal here, so we're going to finance projects at casinos. Right. Even though it's not federally legal yet. Right. So that was, um, the casinos were run by the mob. Right. So most of your clients, I don't think all of your clients, but most of the clients were the mob. That was the big loans. The big loans. The big loans was the mob. And we had a participation company, which nobody really ever knew about, except me, I think, and Perry and them. And it was American National Insurance, which still exists today in Houston, Texas. And it was owned by R.A. Furbush. And so let's say that Bank of Las Vegas in its infancy could make a million and a half dollar loan, anything over that, they had to get a participation. They were there. So that's that's, that's true today, too. There's community banks, and every bank has mm-hmm. a limit of what they can loan. Yes. So if you come to them as a customer, and let's say their limit on any one loan is $5 million, but you need seven, they'll do the five, and they'll go get another bank or another yes. lender to participate on the seven. But they originate the loan, and then they put it together kind of on the back end. Yes. So we had, I mean, we were just pumping crazy, like just going nuts uh, on a continual basis, and, and uh uh, so who, who, who came to you, like what uh, casino came to you, and what kind of project would they come to finance? And Everybody. But what's, is there one example you can remember that was... Well, that was usually done in the back room. Okay. Yeah. Where, Not in they, the front where you that's were. That's exactly right. I understand. Where they kind of kept it, because Perry and Jerry and those guys were all involved in making sure that it was exactly what it was supposed to be. What I saw... Uh, and 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 I don't talk much. Joy Cusimano is one of my dearest friends, but the but the Chicago mob was a totally different ball game. The Jewish mob were business people, and I don't know. You know, when they bought the Dunes, it was a it was workmanship in the most beautiful I've ever seen in my life. And they end up with the Dunes Hotel. At that time, I'm working for Rogic, but. It just kept building and building and building. And you had more and more people coming in and saying, well, wait a minute. Gaming is real. It's legitimate, which it was. You know, can I can I get a participation on this loan with you, Bank Las Vegas or Valley Bank? Can I get a participation and put, you know, $8 million in this? Because it was they were getting paid. It was that kind of a deal. And uh, so when they want to like build an extra, another wing on a, on the dunes or something, they can't go to federal financing sources because the core business is not legal. So they right. come to Bank of and Las it was Vegas. Union money. You guys and, and union money. Yes. So you guys would underwrite it and then go get the participation yes. with uh, R.A. Furbush. But then other institutions started coming to you guys. Yes. Because it was and, more and, and more becoming legitimate. Yes. And and so there was, you know, you, you reach your limit because it's all based on deposits and that then you start really getting into it. And what happened, the 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 Jewish group, they looked out for the bank. They looked out for Perry and Jerry and everybody because that was all part of the deal. I mean they were appreciative of what they got. And they understood how to make money off of one had just gone bankrupt. Then you get back in, and all of a sudden they're making money again. And you're going, gee, many Christmas. And of course, you know, they were there was a little bit going to the to the pie too. Mm-hmm. And uh, but they were they were absolutely amazing people. I used to go to in in um, commercial center. It was um, God. What was it called? So this is like on Sahara, just east of Las Vegas Boulevard. 
Yes. That commercial center? Yes, it was the it's deli there. there. Jackie's Deli. Yeah. Jackie's Deli is where they all hung out, right? So I would get a call, and they'd say, come on down and have breakfast with us. I said, all right. So I go to have breakfast. Well, it was a group of them that we just, we just kind of had breakfast all the time. And so um, they, they deli, commercial center changes, the deli goes out of business. And I get a call one day from, um, God, I can't think of his name now. He was, he was just this incredibly wonderful guy. Let me see where I, I wrote stuff down because I'm not remembering that well. Um, oh, Burton Cohen. Burton Cohen. Burton Cohen is the one that, that officially gave me, you know, this is, this is, this is our goy. And <laughs> he called one day and he goes, the phone rang. And I was, uh, I was at the Nevada Development Authority. And he says, hey, he says, I'm sitting here with the old Jews he goes, and they want to know where the token goy is. He says, so we can get some news from the outside world. And I start laughing. I says, I says, the deli shuts down. You guys disappear. Three years later, you're calling me up. I said, I'm embarrassed. I said, why? He says, no, no, you didn't follow. I said, I couldn't follow you. You got a secret message, and you went to, the, <laughs> to this place. And it was a not a good part of town. But they didn't care. So I went over there, and, and the whole thing started up again. So they, Jerry's Deli shut down, so they had a new spot to meet at breakfast, but yes. they didn't tell you about it? Yeah, it was Until a new three spot. years later. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so I, and they were kind of scattered a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of stuff was going on. So, they, um, uh, so I go over there, and we have breakfast, and, and Burton and I got to be as close as you can. And Burton was an incredible guy, but he was, you know, he was— uh, uh, he was involved. He was the, the attorney for those guys, and brilliant guy, sweetest guy on the planet. I took him one, one night. I had another. I had the the Italian side, and um, he was a big gambler. So we go to the Desert Inn, and Burton is then president of the Desert Inn. That was part of the things that he did to make sure that things were done right mm-hmm. for the boys. And um, my my friend has got a lot of money, and he's a local guy. He's got a big home in Encino, but he's out of he's out of the Midwest. And oh God, how, what a movie it would have made! His family owns a meatpacking company. <laughs> you know, when you see the the movies, you always see bodies hanging yeah, in the movie. That's the exact uh, image yeah. I got when you said that. So we so we uh, we go in there, and I, and I don't gamble. I, I I lost fifty fifty cents one time, and my dad says, "What do you think? You're gonna lose all your money in gambling, or are you gonna save it?" And so I said, "I'll save it." <laughs> we go in there, and uh, there's a table that's clean, and he says, "Can we play?" And they go, "Yes." And they fan the cards and whatever, and so we, and I say we because I'm turning cards over is all I'm doing. Hey, turn those over this time. It's your turn. <laughs> we we had won one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Whoa. We don't stop. We don't stop till 6 o'clock in the morning. We got zero. And I'm going, why did we do that? He goes, we didn't. I did. And he <laughs> goes, I enjoy playing. I said, $150,000. I have made $150,000 since the day I was born if you added up everything I made. And he goes, that's why you should come to work for me. And I said, and that's why I'm not going to go to work for you. <laughs> we were best of friends all of our lives. I would not work for him because I knew what was on the other side. Mm. And uh, my dad had instructed me with a couple of guys. He's, my dad says, when you get out of college, you got a job in the hotel. He says, but 
here's what's going to happen. The first thing they're going to do is they're going to teach you how to steal. I says, steal what? He says, the money. He says, Dad, we never stole anything in our lives. That's my point. He goes, and then who knows what they're going to ask you to do? Mm. And he says, they like you. They think the world of you. But he says, it's not where you belong. So that's why I never went there. I always stayed friends with them. But it Burton, sounds like your upbringing at Rancho, where no one cared about race, color, or creed. It was uh, an indoctrination kind of like to street thinking and street behavior. And then as you develop professionally, you were um, streetwise, like you. Oh, yeah. And, that, and there's, a, there's a connection. They saw you not in so much as one of them in the stealing and the other stuff, but he's, he knows how we think. He knows how we operate because that, you experience that in your upbringing. A- absolutely. When uh, Burton said, well, if ever I call you on the phone, just say yes. He said, I'm not going to get you in trouble. Mm-hmm. So, th- and, and Burton and I, you know, he ended up doing a lot of other things. Phone rings one day. And I answer it. I was at the NDA. No, I wasn't at the NDA. I'd actually left. And he and it's Burton. And and I go, and I know the voice. And I go, yes, I'll do it. And he starts laughing. He goes, you remembered? And I go, yes, I remembered. I says, what did I just do? He says, I'm putting you on the board of trustees at Sunrise Hospital. <laughs> I goes, it pay? He goes, of course it doesn't pay. <laughs> <laughs> he says, we do this for free. I go, yeah, but you got money. I says, I don't. He goes, well, he says, maybe we'll make some. He says, but anyway, that's how we work. Mm-hmm. And he was president of that. And then he, uh, he obviously, he passed away. And uh, that was another funeral that went on forever. Carl Lieb's funeral went on forever, you know. <laughs> and then they always have the little Jewish kid that comes up and goes through his Mahanashana, whatever the hell he's saying, I don't know. And and my, my buddies that, are, that have got, you know, all their stuff on, they're edging me and go, didn't you learn this when you went to? Didn't you go? Didn't you go to the school with the Jews? And I go, you're the only Jews I know. Says, shut up! <laughs> you can interrupt the, the funeral. But it was. I remember when a, a busboy or a or a little guy, a low low ranking guy, at one of the hotels, and I believe it was the Dunes, uh, he got killed, and he got killed in a car wreck, and those guys not, not whacked, huh? The, uh, an auto accident? Auto accident. Got it. Auto accident. We have to clarify these things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and auto accident. Got a, a wiped up a napkin over here. And uh, he, th- that hotel, those guys paid for everything. They took care of his family. They put enough money in there where that the family would have money and, and then found them jobs in the hotel. They looked out for everybody. They were like godfathers, and that was their, their family. And they just went out to extremes to make sure everybody was happy in what they did. Now, if there was competition from another group, that, that was a whole different ball game. But that's they were so compassionate and so nice about everything. And then I went to work for should I get to Rogic yet? Sure. I mean, yeah. So who is Rogic? Sig, Sig, Sig Rogic. Rogic. Yeah. So who is he? What does he do? I know him as a political yeah guy. I don't know exactly. Siggy what he was does, probably but. is still probably the most connected guy anywhere. Uh, we we knew each other when we were young, and um, uh, and and then, but we always stayed friends. You know, he went to UNR and and uh, and, and became extremely wealthy, but it was PR, it mm-hmm. was the spin, and all those things. He was brilliant at it, and he knew everybody in the planet. You know, the president of the United States. Hey, what are you going to do this weekend? I oh okay, that kind of stuff. So we had R and R advertising, 
And that was, and we did the commission authority, lock, stock, and barrel. So Siggy called one day and he goes, I want you to come to work for me. And I said, uh, I said, and do what? He goes, just be my number two guy. You know, it'll be a great deal. And that was, we handled nearly what does that mean? Hotel. What does that mean to be the number two guy? Did you know when he said, just be my number two guy, kind of what was expected? Yeah, yeah. He said, I so want what? you to, in my, in my, he said, I want, to, after me, he says, you're going to be the guy that talks about what happens here and da-da-da. He says, oh, you got six months to learn what we're doing, which I caught on real quick. But we had all these hotels. When the sands sold, the guys out of Texas that bought the sands, they didn't know anything about casinos. Mm. They knew about hotels. So we go out there with this big program, and and about we're in there about uh, and and the head of marketing was worked for Ford, Ford Corporation. The heck did he head of your marketing? So we're in there about six seven months. Every Monday we have a meeting. And I go to the meetings, I'm representing SIG, and all they do is bitch and complain about we don't know what we're doing because nobody's coming in. Okay, so it's a three-day holiday. Uh, I go in, Monday morning we go in, and or Tuesday morning we have the meeting, nobody was here. I go, I checked in. I says, I got a room here. I says, you couldn't walk in it. I've got pictures. The slot machines, people were standing in line. Whoa, 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 what happened? I says, let me ask you guys a question. I loved this this was great for me. I'm not being a smart ass. I just said, <laughs> let, me, let me ask you guys a question. I said, um, who did you keep on? Well, what do you mean? I said, old timers that were here, who did you keep? And they start going through them. I said, okay. I said, of those, of those six, five of them, you forgot to tell them you owned the hotel. They're still skimming <laughs> for the boys. <laughs> and they went, what are you talking about? I says, they don't know that they're supposed to stop. <laughs> I, I said, you need to have a come to Jesus meeting and say, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Guys, we own this now. You don't, we don't need you to do that anymore. I said, unless you want to use them, and then you give them a little vig. <laughs> and they're sitting there with their mouths down here, and they go, are you serious? I go, I'm dead serious. You can't have a, it's impossible to have a full hotel and not make any money. Jesus, Lord. I said, you didn't make any on the room. So, so was, you, were, you were like a mystery shopper. You went in to, to see yeah, what I was never going told, on. I never told them. And I knew yeah. all the old timers. They were great people. But nobody told them. <laughs> and I'm sure that's what they, hey, nobody. Well, how much money did you take? Ah, well, it's gone. But we'll be working for you if you want us to. Yeah. That kind of stuff. We got into the, to the dunes. Uh, Oh, that's uh, funny. The Dunes was, the, the Permans had sold theirs. They ran across the street, thought they bought the Dunes. There was nothing better, and I learned this from them. They told me one time, they said, there's nothing better than two Jews in a fight. He says, don't ever break it up because it gets great. <laughs> so they <laughs> Like went a physical the, fight or like a, we're well, fighting over business? Well, it comes to a physical fight. It usually starts over business. Mm. Uh, uh, Gathred was the was the brains at Caesar's Palace, Sid Gathred, that created the Alice King, Kenneth Terman, and all that. <clears throat> so they've been Gathred over. Well, Shanker and Gathred are best friends. So Gathred, you know, he's working for Shanker now, doing that stuff. So we get the account. So Siggy says, you handle this one, okay? I said, all right. So I go over there and introduce myself, and Gathred is this old Jewish guy with all this gray hair that loves cocktail waitresses. So we have we sit down and we hit it off, and he goes, "Now you come in every Friday and you pick up your check, okay?" And I said, "All right." So get to meet uh, Shanker 
get to meet uh, just everybody that's there. <clears throat> and and uh, the Perlmans are just in and out. They don't really know what's going on. I know more about the Dunes than, than Gathrid does because we were involved in the billboards and stuff like that. They own the golf course, and they own all that land all the way down to the almost to the to the there was no so you know more about it because you you have the pr account and you have to understand what you're selling or spinning and advertising so you're getting into really the heart and soul yes of the operation so you now come out of that process knowing more about it yes and 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 so so gathered so so gathered is you know and then you'll have drinks with me and then you go get the money i said all right so and we're it's big money it's a big change for us so we're in, I'm in the dunes and I go in there and, and we're, and I fall in love with these people. They're just the sweetest people in the world. And, uh, he's, I'm sitting there one day with, with, uh, with him, with Morris. And he says, um, Shanker, and we're looking out across the hotel and he, he says, he says, what do you see? I says, I'm going, oh, God, here we go. It's the Jerry Mack question. Uh, huh? It's the same question yes, Jerry Mack yes. asked. I said, him. I see... I see a hotel full of people coming to spend their money here because no, 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 no. He says, "What do you?" He says, "What do you see? What do you see? see? Look again." So I look across and I go, uh, "I do about three or four things that I think I got to be right." And finally, I said, "I see rows and rows and rows of slot machines. I don't even know how many." He goes, "No, you don't." I go, "What do you mean I don't?" He says, "The slot machines ain't there." I go, I'm looking at it, for Christ's sakes, what? No, no, they ain't on the books. <laughs> he goes, they don't exist. That's why I love this place so much. <laughs> they were taking down the slots and whatever else. And I'm thinking, and I look at him and says, please, God, do not tell me that. And he looks at me and goes, you could come to work for me, you know. And I says, I know, but I'm not going to. But it was that great relationship mm-hmm. that we had, back and forth, back and forth. And they were experts at what they did and and then that's when you get to see the two jews in a fight you had the perlmans and them going to it and and you're going what was the conflict over the conflict over is the perlmans actually thought that they were going to make a killing there and uh and and they you know they were just very arrogant about everything they did so we're handling the marketing for the dunes now, and it's going crazy. We're doing our marketing, Sig and I, and, and it's just going wonderful. California's coming over, filling the dunes and going crazy. But it was, Shanker knew more than they did. And what happened was they got in a fight. And I was and I was the guy that kind of, well, anyway, they had a three-sided sign at the, at the airport, the dunes did, huge, giant sign. When they were getting ready to put the on-ramp, off-ramp in, because that 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 highway to L.A. that 15 just went on. It didn't want any on-ramps or off-ramps. So they own from the dunes on the corner all the way south, uh, and then there was the golf course. But you had two vacant lots. So Morris thought that th- that the lots weren't theirs. The Perlmans knew the lots were theirs what had happened is when oh and we so we took the big sign and we put it in in the dunes and we're in a meeting and i'm sitting in a meeting and and morris says well uh, what about those two, the permans go well what about those two lots and morris goes yeah well they don't belong to us and i go yeah they do 
He goes, what? I go, yeah, they belong to us. They're yours. No, they're not. They're, they're those two vacant lots, we go, the golf course we own and everything and all those other lots, we don't know. I said, that was the trade. He goes, what? The trade-off. They build the sign for you and put it in the, in the airport, and you let them put as many billboards on those as they want to for as long as they want to for nothing. I said, what do you think all those billboards came from? And he goes, oh, my God. He goes, you, need to, you really need to go to work for us right now. And he turns to the Perlmans, and he goes, kiss my butt. I'm not selling this to you anymore. Well, they got a fortune in the top of the dunes. There's no income, and he's changing it into his home. And that's when the whole thing blew up. And I'm sitting there going, oh. So I told, I said, listen, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just working here with the signs. I didn't, I didn't come in here to blow this up. And, and Morris says, no. He says, they were lying to us. He goes, they already knew that. He goes, and then he jumps on everybody in the place. He says, why didn't we know that? I go, well, the other guys that left here did. <laughs> but, but that was, it was, oh, so, and of course, every Friday when I come to get my check, I get two signatures. So I get one signature, and I always got to go get uh, the, uh, the accounting guy and sign it. So the second floor is where the accounting office is, and then there's a little window and really, Caesars wasn't even, it was built, but, you know, mm-hmm. it was that small area. So, and every time I go, he's not there. So I got to go run for a whole week trying to get the extra money. And, of course, Sig's on my, my fanny about it and get the uh, second signature. And um, so this has gone on for about eight weeks. So I go to the secretary. So you have a goes, check that uh, you do, can't get the second signature the on signature, for eight So weeks. I have to come back, come back, come back. Yeah. So they push me out. So... Is this a game they're playing with you? Is this what? Was, was this like a game that they're playing with you? No, to well, not pay? it was a game, but they, you know, but I, and I don't know who it was coming from. I didn't want to sit down mm-hmm. with Morris and say, hey, you know, because if he got upset, I didn't want him to go out and hurting somebody. Right. It was not that big a deal. Right. I would eventually get paid. It was just a pain in the butt because mm-hmm. we were turning out stuff like this for them. Mm-hmm. And the stuff was bringing in all kinds of golfers and people, and they, they just could, they'd never seen a business like this. It had always been kind of led. And that's when, uh, when um, uh, Tower of Jewels, that's, they were in the dunes. That was a whole other story. But, that, you know, Mordecai is one of my dearest friends in the world. Uh-huh. So anyway, the secretary says, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'd had a real bad week anyway. So I go in there, the door, double doors, and I kick the doors open. And they hit the wall. And he jumps up and goes, what's the matter? What's the matter? I walk over to his desk and I said, see that window behind you? He goes, yes. I said, I hate to tell you this. If you don't sign this today and you don't sign it every time I come in the first time, I'm going to throw your ass through it. Do you understand that? And he goes, yes, I understand it. And he signs it. Well, we didn't have phones and cars then, but Sig's waiting at the office. <laughs> Morse calls him and says, you got, a good, you got the right guy there. He ain't afraid of anybody, <laughs> is he? But we got our money on time after that. Mm-hmm. And just, now you have to set the tone. Yes, yes. Yeah. I had, it was Just like your point. dad set the tone for, for you when you went to school the first time. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, you know, so we didn't, yeah, absolutely. My dad, uh, one of the things that, that was always number one in my mind, I didn't know until I was older that we were poor. Because if your parents love you, you don't know that. And my mom and dad loved me. I mean, my mom and dad were, it, it was everything. It was it revolved around me. And, Did you have um, any siblings? Huh? Did you have any siblings? Uh, yeah, 10 years later. Okay. Yeah, so you're my sister. An only child for 10 years. Yes. I was the only child for 10 years. That's a spoiled brat. Yeah. You know, and then my, my sister's born and, and got it. She was like 
I mean, I just absolutely loved her. Uh, she and she's still a sweet Spanish. She's she's Mormon, and she called me one day and she goes, "You know what you should do?" And I said, "Oh my God, here we go." I says, "I knew the Mormons before you knew the Mormons," <laughs> and she says, "She says." You come over and look in our garage and see how much food we have. So when the time comes when you can't get food, you can eat. You should stock your garage. I says, oh, I says, I don't know if you know this or not, but I says, I've figured out that I don't have to. Why? I says, because I know where all the Mormons live. <laughs> and she starts laughing and she goes, oh, my God. She goes, what are we going to do with you? And I says, nothing. Just let me, let me just run through this fantasy I'm living in. But it was, the town was incredible. A lot of people that I used to hunt, uh, dove. And so as I got older, we'd go to the old Cortez at 5 in the morning, my dad and I, have breakfast with Whitey Shugart, uh, Gene uh, uh, McLean. Um, all these guys would be there. But the hunting guys were guys in the hotel business. And I didn't know that they had hotels and stuff like that. They were the kindest people in the world. And they treated me like I was their son. And if I, my dad couldn't go, they'd take me dove hunting. We usually go over to Arizona. Hmm. But it was just quality people. They cared, about, they cared about everybody. They wanted to make sure everybody got a piece of it. But, you know, there was also that part, well, obviously they didn't think the government should have had mm-hmm. a piece of it. But they were just great people, and they didn't mind sharing information, that kind of stuff. And it was, uh, it was, I, was a, I was like a, a sponge, man. I was learning right and left. And they, they backed up their words. You know, they didn't, they didn't say this is something that we think we should do. This is stuff that we're doing right now. We want to take care of this group and take care of this group. And they were, they were there's just— a, There's an essence to that that still exists in Las Vegas today, I, I believe. I'm born and raised here. Um, I spent a year out of Las Vegas traveling around for my fraternity the year after college, but I came what back. What fraternity? AE Pi. It's a oh, Jewish I'm a fraternity. Pi Kappa Alpha. Pi Kappa Alpha. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, there's, mm-hmm. um, I, you, you've heard this before. I've heard this before. It's, it's a small town, big city kind of a thing. So I feel like that culture that they set back then still permeates through here. If you're a good person in this town, it doesn't matter if you've been here for 40 years or four weeks. If you love the city, if you want to do good by the city, if you do good by other people, the community will will support you without a question. I'll give you I'll, I'll, I'll give you one more example, and then I'll if you want me to, I'll tell you about the NDA. Okay, okay. Um, I'm in the bank. Uh, there's a, a, a young guy that goes to UNLV, extremely smart. He is a, he's a person of color, and just funniest guy I've ever heard of in my life. And he comes in and shoots the bull with me. And I go, you bank with me or you just come in here to, to talk, tell jokes. He says, no, no, I got to check an account here. Comes in one day and sits down. He goes, would you do me a favor? I go, sure. He says, would you mind talking to my dad? And I go, uh, I never talked to dads. I said, sometimes the dad talked to me about dating her daughter. <laughs> and he starts laughing. What, I said, send your dad in. Absolutely. So he sends his dad in. And his dad is, uh, has a construction company. And he's sitting there and he goes, I said, so what is the problem? And he goes, I, I've got a great company. I says, I know that. He says, but I'm losing business because I, I can't borrow any money. I said, why can't you borrow money? He goes, the banks won't loan me any. I go, take these papers, take them home. I said, I want two years tax returns. Uh, fill out your, your profit and loss. Give me all the information on your company. Everything. Give me, basically, let me know you inside and out. Okay. 
And so he comes back uh, two days later and hands them to me. I said, okay, I look at everything, filled out everything I needed. I said, all right. I said, I said uh, come on back in tomorrow. And I said, I'll tell you whether I can or I can't. All right. So comes back in, and I'd ask him, I said, how much money do you need? He says, well, if I could get 20000 he said, it would keep me from losing those little jobs I'm, I'm losing. He says, and I could probably get more. I said, okay. So he comes back in the next day. This is, I, I just, this is so much fun for me. My God, I just, I never forgot it. And he sits down at my desk and he goes, I go, how you doing? He goes, good, good. I'm really nervous. And I said, all right. I said, well, I can't do anything until you sign these papers. And I slid these papers over in front of him. He goes, what are they? I said, it's your $50,000 line of credit. Tears pouring wow. out of his eyes. And I'm sitting there going, oh, God, don't start crying, Hollingsworth, you know, you big baby. And I mean, they're pouring. He goes, you're kidding me. And I said, no, you don't need 20, you need 50. I said, this is a revolving line of credit. So every 90 days, you come in and we renew it. I says, when you get some money to pay it down, pay it down. Keep it active. And that way it looks good. But I said, you're going to start making money hand over fist. Just, he never looked back. He never looked back. And, and, and I just, I thought, you know what? That's what I really loved doing, was catching somebody off guard that deserved it. So anyway, <clears throat> through the chaos and confusion, it was all part of the, you know, the raises from my family because they tried to take care of everybody. Uh, my dad had, I uh, uh, was in his office one day. I didn't go to his office much because he wanted me to take over the business and I hated accounting. <laughs> God, it was terrible. And he said... Yeah, you um, seem more of like a people person than a bean counter. Oh, I would. It was terrible. <laughs> and a homeless person comes in and, and says, can you give me a couple bucks? And my dad says, absolutely not. And I'm going, oh, that's strange. He goes... Uh, there's King's Restaurants right up there. It was right on Fremont Street. King's Restaurants on the corner. He goes, what's your name? He goes, I'm going to call them. You go up there and you order whatever you want. And that would happen four or five times a day. And we're sitting there talking one day, and he goes, I don't want them to get the money and go buy whiskey or beer. He goes, now they go up there and they eat. And he says, and that's what it's all about. He goes, we came from that. Thank God it's not you or I that are homeless in the streets. He says, we had every opportunity. And I'm going, good Lord. So that became, you know, that became another target for me. So anyway, I get... Um, let, me, let me ask you this, because I ask everybody this question. The show is called Takeaways, and it's about my takeaways from people who have influenced me. You've already shared a lot of what's influenced you, but I'm curious how you would answer this question. When you think about it, what's been the single biggest or most influential thing in your life that's defined or shaped you the most? It's done what? Defined or shaped you the most... I think it was. Uh, I think it was probably my parents. They they were, my parents were. They always gave. They always looked out for people. Always. And how do you? And when you look back, how did you do it when you don't have anything yourself? You know, there was no no ifs ands and buts about it. If uh, and my dad never let me forget that. I'm a huge veteran fan. I flunked the physical in 1966, and went into shock. Uh, I, I thought I was going to Vietnam, but I, I ended up not going. But when my friends came home from high, went to grade school, high school with post-traumatic stress, sat at your desk, couldn't figure out what they were doing and what, where the, why they were there at the bank, it killed me. And we don't take care of them. Uh, you, you get more money on, on welfare than they get, the wife gets if the husband's killed for being able to make a mortgage payment on her house. 
we've got all the directions in the wrong way. My dad was never the same, but he was, he was a Mensa. He was the smartest person I ever met in my life. And all of that environment around me was, I'm, I, listen, I, I'm not the smartest bulb on the tree, but I've got, I've got some kind of insight that I've always had. I just know what's right and what's wrong. And um, uh, it, it, was, it was just a, but it was my, my mom and my dad. They, as far as they were concerned, like I said, I didn't know we were poor until I looked back. <laughs> you know, they, gave, they loved me. They took care of me. I remember one time I was, my mom and dad both worked. And uh, uh, so I had to go to a kindergarten, and they hadn't had kindergarten. So what they, did your mom do? My mom worked for city service in, in, in Midland, Texas. They, all the big oil companies were there, but okay. it was like, you know. I th- did she work when, when you guys moved here? <clears throat> no. No, she never did go back to work again. And my dad was really proud of that. You know, that was, to him, that was embarrassing that she had to go to work. And um, not interesting how uh, culturally that sentiment's kind of changed. Oh yeah, oh yeah, very much so. No, he was happy when that's, like it's a source of pride that yep. she doesn't have to work. Yep, he yeah. was he was just you know like that's the greatest thing in the world. He was uh, he uh, he never if we had a, a major discussion, he had the the biggest hands in the world. And when he would punch me in the chest and ask me if I understood, I go yes, yes, <laughs> <laughs> try to catch my breath. But he was he was for the good of the cause, and I spent I've spent so much time. With uh, we shouldn't have homeless people for God's sakes. The veterans. We did a survey about five or six years ago. Maybe it's when Rogich, when I was with Rogich. Anyway, there was about two hundred thousand homeless veterans. The 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 Vietnam people. The, those veterans are never coming out of the jungle here. They learned how to live there all these mm-hmm. years. It's sad. They don't know. They don't want a house. They want to be left alone and be out in the woods or the the prairie or whatever they want to do. And you see this, and it breaks your heart because there's no money for them. They need medical attention. It's there, but that hospital out there is a crock of crap. That hospital is worthless. Those doctors are worthless out there. They left my uncle sitting for eight hours, the one that was wounded in, um, in, at, at Chozon Reservoir in Korea. And, and, mm. and, and he, he ended up being a multimillionaire. And again, he was my mom's side of the family was probably smarter than me. But you go out there, and I went out there, and I said, what are you doing? He came in, he had an 8 o'clock appointment. It's 8 o'clock at night, and he called me to come pick him up. You guys, what are you doing? The whole thing's like that. Now, the, the, uh, the house that we have out there, if you have, to stay, if you have to stay here, you can use that house. It was built. It's a beautiful home for veterans and families. They bring their whole family. And we're trying to kind of upgrade that a little bit more. I think we spent $6.5 million on it. But the hospital is absolutely top boat. It's just got a bunch of retired juice doctors that were in the service, and that's where they're going to retire. They're not going to do anything. Hmm. And I've sat down with veterans meetings. I'm not a vet. And they would invite me and say, you want to blow the door open? I said, yeah, they can't do anything to me. So I'd go start some kind of a fist fight or something, you know. And they'd go, God, we love you. Uh, I got to co-chair the Marines uh, ball one year because I— had caused so much havoc. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I really am. I shouldn't be in this position. Just, you know, stuff like this, getting to sit down and talk to you and talk about this, I, I you know, it's almost embarrassing because uh, it's, uh, I'm just the luckiest guy in the world. Had my dad not come here, I, who knows where I'd have been. I'll tell you what you said. Uh, wrote, I wrote down that I love. You love catching somebody off guard because they deserve it. That's pretty cool. 
Yes. Yes, I do. We, um, so do you want to go to NDA? Yeah, let's, okay. uh, let's do that. So we, we, were, we were talking earlier about um, your life in banking and how loans, uh, banks get participation on loans. You know, I read this book, The Quiet Kingmaker, and it's about Perry Thomas. And this is how I think about it or understand it from that book. And you could tell me if this is right sure. or wrong. But at the bank, uh, Perry and the guys would go and um, do road shows to, to build up this participation mm-hmm. pool of money and, and sources and whatnot. And those road shows, if I understand it right, eventually became this organization that continued to go out and build up Las Vegas economically and right. converted that sort of activity, created a catalyst or a basis for the Nevada Development Authority. Is that true or am I it, it, missing a few beats I'm there? sure that that was the beginning of it. I'm sure that was the beginning of it because he was a master at it. Unbelievable. And he looked, he he's a, was the sweetest guy in the world. The whole damn family's a sweetheart. His, his, one of his sons did my ro- second rotator cuff over here on this one. He goes, boy, that's a gnarly looking thing. What did you do? And he says, you don't really want to know. <laughs> I said, I've been. I started I, a fight at a veterans uh, meeting. <laughs> yeah, a veterans meeting, I was in a fight. Yeah. But the whole family is just quality people and they all give. It's like the Herps family. You know, they're still getting, but Perry Thomas was magic. I, I absolutely loved him. He, I mean, if there was a meeting and he said, this is the way we're going to do it, da-da, nobody asked a question. And that was good. I could go in there every now and then and talk to him. But a loan, for example, a loan meeting, if they were the quality customer and I got the phone call up front, because usually they would go through me because I had no influence or mm. no position in the bank except that I was, you know, an assistant cashier. I started out and say, you know, well, uh, we, how are we on the loan? Well, you're, 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 you've got, oh, still is four and a half mil. Okay. Well, do you think we could get another half a mil? Um, yeah, probably. Hang on a minute. Uh, I go back and say, Mr. Thomas, uh, Stardust needs another half mil. Does that, you know, is that okay? Yeah. So I just I go to I said that was the process for loan, for the loan committee. <laughs> it really was, yeah. you know. Ben, but again, they didn't have to wait. He knew who they were. Right. Uh, he knew what they were doing. They were business people first. You know, if they'd mm-hmm. been just uh, retarded and and goofballs, they would have screwed up everything. Yeah. But they really ran a company there for a long time, and he took advantage of the fact that this is gaming. This is what mm-hmm. we're all about. There's only one. I Las thought that Vegas. was so brilliant when I read that. It's it's like it's it's legal. It is so. Be the bank that supports the community because these are community and businesses. Doing that today, if you got a little bank and you mm-hmm. got a big deal, go see if you can find some extra money. Yeah. If you can get it through the bank, then you know it's it it it's above water, uh, it, and it takes them out of the, you know, back room doing doing this. <laughs> yeah. So when I first heard you speak ever, it was I think two thousand nine. You were head of NDA. You were talking about I was at a I was at an industry luncheon, the CCIM mm-hmm. luncheon. I'm a CCIM designee. Oops, um, I remember being impressed by what you were saying, how you were saying it, what you guys were doing at the NDA. So the, the NDA, you'll you'll elaborate more. But the job of the NDA is to attract businesses and higher quality jobs to Southern Nevada. And at the time, it's like 2009. You guys were running massive campaigns against California specifically. And in my mind, it was guerrilla marketing, but it wasn't really guerrilla marketing in the, in the true definition of it, but it was pretty aggressive. So talk about 
the NDA, okay. what it does, what you did there, and then we'll get into those campaigns specifically. Um, when I interviewed for the job, there must have been 50 people at the board table that were the board of directors. And I, I, I said to them, Joe Brown was my friend, and he sat there too, and I said, you know what, guys? I said, I've never heard of the NDA in my life. I said, this is the greatest board I've ever seen. I said, this is a Vegas board. I said, we could take over California with this board. <laughs> and they're all looking at me like he's lost his mind. And I said, I would love to have the job, absolutely, unequivocally. And um, da 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 we were 15, 20 minutes. And then the next day, I get a phone call and says, you got the job. So I learned early on in my life, I know, well, I, I'm not the smartest bulb on the tree. So... I had a process that I always went through, and I tried never to hire anybody as smart as I was. They had to be smarter, and I mean smarter. My job is to lead, not to have to manage. If I have to manage, I'm wasting my damn time. Mm -hmm. So if you have smart people, you can lead them. They take the boat and start running with it, and all of a sudden, they're involved in all the meetings, and that's how the companies become successful. And the NDA... Uh, was like, oh, my God. It was like Mensa. And I'm sitting there going, da 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 So we sat down. We said, so how are we going to do this, you guys? We have no money. You know, we're trying to make things work, da 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 So I called Sean. You know Shankweller? Terry Shankweller? I don't. Shankweller had uh, one of the most creative advertising guy in the world. He's retired now, still lives in Vegas. He's a vet. What's his name? Uh, Terry Shankweller. S-H-O-N-K-W-E-I-L-E-R, I think. Super dude. Got stories like you would not believe. Uh, and I called Terry and I says, want to go back in business? He a, was a fraternity brother, different schools and that crap. And I said, uh, he goes, what you got? And I said, well, I'm over here in the Nevada Development Authority. And I says, I, I want to do some different stuff. And he goes, all right. I says, we got kind of a cheap budget. He says, you know, you're talking about a million, two million dollars. I said, we ain't got a million, two million dollars, but here's my plan. <laughs> he says, okay, what's your plan? I said, I, um, I said, uh, There's two, I said, I found two companies. I said, and I said, okay, let's say we got, we got $50,000 for an ad, okay? And we do this Wampus Cat ad. I said, obnoxious, in your face, California, you got to respond. He goes, all right. I says, and we get it done, and we spend our 50 Gs, all right? I said, I found a company. It wasn't on computer then. I found a company th that will follow every story anywhere in the world that's written about that ad campaign. So if it comes out in California, the governor protests it and blah, blah, blah. They take it and it goes worldwide. They know where it goes. We did one where that The Economist, which is a, a, a product in England, they did a whole article on the Nevada Development Authority and how we were kicking California's butt. I says, I have another company that, and as I said, Terry, this is, you, you look at them, but make sure that they're, they're viable and that they really are who they say they are. And they put a value to every one of those stories. Well, shit, we did a million dollars on this little thing. A million dollars is what it came out to. So now I'm... So you spend 50000 on and a I campaign. And it's called Leverage Media. And your buddy's saying, well, you need to start with 1.2 to 2 to achieve what you want. But you said, all I have is fifty. but here's how we're going to leverage 50000 Yes, and so in, and, these, in these days, the kids call this going viral. This is well before social media was a thing. Yeah. And somebody says, where did you come you up with this? You engineered this concept of going viral. with. And I said, I'm, I'm a survivor. I've got a, I'm not a liar. I'm going to prove it. I don't want anybody to take, uh, listen to my BS. I said, this is factual. 
I checked these companies out. They've been around forever. And I says, my God. I said, it's a godsend. All of a sudden, the, you know, we've we got more money coming in, more stuff's going out. And especially if you could get into, um, oh, what is it? Uh, the real conservative county uh, in California, in Southern California. Oh, radically conservative. I can't think which one it was. You got you did an you did an ad in that in that one, and my God, they covered the planet. They went nuts showing everybody about this is California's falling apart and Nevada's right and what they're doing. So we began to build on that. We knew that if we ran an ad down there, that on, on a Friday, that on Monday morning, my staff we had a Monday morning meeting. Every Monday, we had the whole staff, everybody. I don't care if you were picking up dog poo. You come to the meeting. <laughs> you come to the meeting. We had uh, Terry was there, and they talked about it. They would have sometimes 300 phone calls, 100 emails of people saying, it's all your ad, it's all your ad. Come talk to us, come talk to us. So we're out there. These are businesses that saw the ad. Yes, in saying, California. Want to know what we, we're doing. We want to talk to you. When we would go down there, we, we took a double-decker bus with a Dixieland ban on top, and it was the California, can you afford the California nut tax? <laughs> and we had these nuts made up that we gave out. <laughs> we, we, get to the, we get to Sacramento, and where are we going to park? Well, my God, there's a sign right there in front of the Capitol building that says, buses only. <laughs> the Dixieland ban cranks up. I'm out on the sidewalk. The crowd, ABC, NBC, CBS, CBS shows up. The crowd's huge, and they're chanting for Arnold to come down and debate me. And they're screaming, he's right, he's right. This place is taxing us to death, because that's what we all based it on. And then we went all <laughs> through California at different places, San Francisco, mm -hmm. big places, and we took Oscar with us. And Oscar, everybody knew Oscar. Mm -hmm. People were up against Oscar, government mayor, be our mayor, please be our mayor. And so Oscar's going, damn, this is fun. We we just kept expanding. We there was a guy here in town. I can't think of his name, and I I I, I apologize. He's a phenomenal guy. He owns I don't know if he still does, but he owned a huge outdoor advertising company. And he's I've known him forever, and he's the sweetest guy in the world. And he calls me one day and goes, "Need some help?" I said, "Doing what?" He goes, "I have a double sided sign on Sepulveda Boulevard, in and out of the airport." He goes, "You want it for free?" <laughs> I said, "Yes, I do." He says, "What do you want us to put on it?" Governor Brown had just been, was getting ready to be reelected, right? I says, well, hold it. Don't wait. wait let's wait. If Brown, if Brown gets elected, then go ahead. It said, uh, it's deja vu all over again. Congratulations, Governor Brown. That went viral. People went nuts. People in California went crazy, screaming, why did we reelect that SOB? That was just, the, we opened up a can of worms. We had 90 days on that. Well, he, I think he ended up calling, calling because the guy called and says, can we take it down now? The governor's calling us. I said, nah, let it up for another week. Let me sweat a little bit. <laughs> Arnold, remember when Arnold came to town? Arnold Schwarzenegger? That was because of our ad campaign. And Is this when he came in and, and like he put on a show also? Yes, he yes. drove a, a moving van or something. Started on it this and installed it. And then got out and says, well... Well, I couldn't drive it. <laughs> but he, but the, him come, the purpose of him coming down here yes. was to like counter your this media to create his own media to say, yes. I'm the governor. I am personally coming down there to move a California company back to California. Yes. Uh, yes. One that moved here. Yes. And he did one, which was, I think, $10,000 company or something. But that's why, but that was in reaction to what we did to him in, in, in front of his uh, Capitol building. It occurs to me that you like to pick fights. Love it. <laughs> Love it. 
Love it. Even he, even even like you're in a fight, you know you're in a fight when you're getting when you're offered a billboard, you don't just punch, you wait, we'll let the guy get elected and you set up a counterpunch in a way. You bet. It's <laughs> it's this is this town never in my I hate to keep saying this, never in my life that I expect to have this quality and such a wonderful life. It's because of Vegas. And right now, we got everybody off guard. The other day they talked we were talking about the taxes the the the, uh, the fact that we had no corporate tax and no uh, no um, uh, um, single tax was what was extremely important. We'd go to California and we would say we would talk to the company and they'd have some of their employees there and we said you know that when you come to Las Vegas that your employees get a ten percent raise. I, I, we can't afford that. I go no. There's no personal income tax. Mm. And they go, what? And I says, and you get a 10% corporate raise because there's no corporate tax. They went nuts. They would go crazy and say, oh, my God, and just to get the hell out of California, rules and regulations. We talked to a company that had 500 employees, every race, creed, or color. He knew everybody's name, the kids' names. The guy was the neatest guy I've ever met that owned a company, and he took care of them like they were his children. They made a part for an airplane like this. That was phenomenal. And they had to soak it in oil or spray it in oil, finished product, before they sent it out. The state of California said they were contaminating the whole planet and put them out, was putting them out of business. And companies like that. So right now what you're hearing, oh, wait a minute, we're diversified. Oh, sure. We have football, baseball, basketball, track, badminton, upside down pool, <laughs> all this, you can name it. No, no, no. They're all fueled by tourism, you dumbass. Tourism is fueling it. The more you're fueled so you're by tourism... The, the sentiment now that we've become a sports town, and that is diversifying us, you're saying that is still... It's not diversifying the tourism the industry. That's yeah. right. It's okay. still tourism. And they, they're not even talking about it. Listen, if you have another plague and you've got all these extra tourists that have come to town, you're going to really suffer. Yeah, the, the stadiums aren't going to get filled. Sure. As politicians go, you're already preparing to spend the money. So that's, that's the problem I see... Right now. So the NDA evolved at the last couple of years that you were there, and it became the LVGEA, yeah. the Las Vegas Global Economic Alliance. Mm-hmm. And the presentation for that was, you know, it, Vegas is not just a myopic city out west. We're part, if you look at the entire globe, we're strategically positioned as it relates to how goods and services are moved. What do you think about that? You're smiling. You ain't got enough money to buy the ad campaign <laughs> worldwide. I'm telling you right now, one of the questions, that's a great question, and one of the questions I was asked in one of the board meetings, well, why are we not in New York City? I said, well, I'll tell you why. And I says, and this is all factual. And also, I'll tell you about the, um, oh, what is it called? The little bugaboos that you, you can put information in, and then I can't think of it. Anyway, I said, New York is 3,000 miles away. I said, to get a company to move 3,000 miles is probably like slim and zero. It ain't going to happen, number one. Number two, to run an ad in New York cost me about $15,000 to run an ad in New York. I said, guess what? The same problems New York has are next door, 300 miles, actually 24 miles to state line. I said, they're underwater. I said, and those companies can move 300 miles in a single day. It's all there. Why do you want to go worldwide? Are you looking to build a name and, and that kind of crap? I said, we're supposed to be taking this town and diversifying it. They're all there. They want out. 
They don't know what's going to happen to them next week. And, well, 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 well. I said, and there's no money to buy a $3,000 ad. I'd rather spend $3,000 going over there buying an ad campaign and kicking butt and taking names. We did, I did morning news shows in California. Uh, my God, I bet you I did 100 of them. <laughs> and they'll be, well, it's 530 in the morning. I don't care. Let me be there. Because I'm going to sell this town. I'm going to make sure they know that it's what it's all about. They didn't. They don't know the business side of Las Vegas. And they knew once the strip, again, not necessarily Henderson and Summerlin. Exactly right. And that you can go skiing, not not too far away from here. Also, that's exactly right. That's it's it's just it's a whole different ball game. And to sit down and 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 think that you're going to you're going to create more tourism. And that's where it's coming from. If and so that's what we brought in, manufacturing, uh, all kinds of warehousing, just went on and on and on. It's got to be something that we don't have, because those jobs usually end up being fairly secure. Now the pandemic may affect them too, but not like your not like your your bottom line is right now with tourism. And I agree with everything they're doing, but maybe what they should do is some of this money that they're spending, they should spend. To, to do a, a complete program, you don't have to spend a lot of money on advertising. We proved that. Mm-hmm. All you do is do the right buys and find and piss somebody off so that it becomes huge. <laughs> when, did you ever see the one we did with the, with the, with the gorillas where they talked? I think I did. So, I don't remember the details of it, but I, I do remember that. We, we have a Monday morning meeting, and, of course, Terry Shankwater brings in, and I said, you know, give us, let's, let's really shake them up. So the gorillas were the elected officials at the state of California. And, and, uh, and so we look at them and I said, well, what do you think, guys? Well, the, the animation's not good, Terry. He goes, well, uh, well that's going to cost more money. And he, I love him. And, she, she, and my, uh, my head gal there says, how much? Well, there's a company here in town that does great work, and it would cost us at least $200. I says, now, today, get it done. It was so good that PETA calls me. Um, is this Mr. Hollingsworth? <laughs> yes, it is. Um, this I'm from PETA. I think her name was Rita from PETA. Uh, and I would like you to take those commercials down. I said, are you actually telling me that people in California think that gorillas can really talk? Well, I don't understand. You're hurting that species. I said, why? They talk. I said, you watched the commercial. She slams the phone down in my ear. I can't quit laughing. I'm on the floor, rolling on the floor. That's the reaction I want. That's oh, what I that's wanted. Great. I w- now I want Peter to go worldwide. Call somebody that gives a giant rat's fanny and complain, and maybe it'll go worldwide. I would love that because my town is going to benefit from it. And it was it was just this great time with these great people. Uh, I, I, algorithm. I, I never lied in my life. So I'm, how in the hell am I going to have an end of year a book with everything we've done? validating everything that's there, all the statistical data, everything. I find a company in Phoenix that has developed an algorithm for development authorities that has absolutely been tested to the point where nobody wants to see it anymore, and it's flawless. So that's what I took. So you don't want to argue with me, argue with the algorithm. And if you do, these guys will fly in and explain to you how... This is where you prove we've spent $50,000, but the media value of the reposting and the reshares and the talk shows and 
every yes. every campaign that then gets yes. goes viral, they they assign a value to it. If you had thirty seconds on this TV show, it would have cost you three hundred thousand. And if you and that's how you got from spending fifty thousand dollars to the value of this ended up being yes. one million, two million. And the uh, and the other side of the coin is what was the other side of the coin? I was going to tell you uh, as far as spending money. Um, Well, oh yeah, the algorithm, the the algorithm has all the the key notes behind it. Mm-hmm. The great con for these nonprofits is in the future. This is what we'll do. That's what the that's what the end of year book says. What we're doing after what we did this year, we think that that multiplies out to eight hundred and fifty three million in year two. It's BS. That's how they get away with it. That's how they keep their jobs. That's not right. It's not going to happen. You can't take today's figures and project them anymore because the world's, who knows where we're going to go. So everything we did, my, it was my reputation. It was their reputation too. But my, my staff was this smart group of people that knew what they were doing, and they loved this community. And if you got mouthed off about Vegas, they would fight you. <laughs> you know, push his lights out. He's a little guy. You know, don't worry about him. And But the whole thing was... You know, it, we have to bring truth to it. You can't lie to the public. That's ridiculous because somebody eventually is going to find out about mm-hmm. it. And that, that was our deal. It was an easy it was an easy deal. And I kind of sat in the background, you know, if they had, you know, if they wanted somebody to get popped, they'd put me out there. <laughs> but it was, it a was. Tr- a true leader. Yes. But it was just, I felt like that my time it's, it's just been such a great run for me. And I felt like my time on this planet, that that's where I need... I always felt like that as a little kid. That's where I needed to be. It's got to be real. It's got to be honest. My, my dad never lied to me. My mom never lied to me. Um, it was just... That was just part of our life. And uh, and, I, and Vegas is, is just... It's magic. Right now, one of the things that we came up with, we weren't just another pretty face. We did deep search. The California... Public Employee Retirement PERS and the California Teachers PERS, when we did our ad campaign down there on that and what kind of shape California was in, those two funds, which are the largest almost in the world, were $300 billion upside down. An article came out about three weeks ago in California. They're now $500 billion upside down. You can't fix that. Imagine telling those people, you have no retirement program, your PERS is gone, what are they going to do? Set each other on fire. Because everybody in the state of California, $500 billion. Are you kidding me? And typical, and this is old bank stuff, or mathematical stuff, I didn't do good in, in, in arithmetic, but the problem with PERS is that they guarantee you 7% as a retiree, and the income side of money raising on their on their investments is two percent. So they drop five percent a year. In California, not only do they drop the five percent, but when you get through working at for three hundred thousand a year in government there or teachers, then when you retire, you guess what? They give you a job working in the same building for two hundred and fifty thousand a year. So now you've got five hundred and fifty thousand dollar a year retirement doing nothing. That doesn't fly. I mean, the so, people in California so, deserve better. So you get into the numbers of CalPERS, and then how did you process that and turn it into a campaign for NDA? We, we went, I'm trying to think how we did that, but we went public with it. 
And it was it was one of those deals where it was almost like a press report. Well, all of a sudden, the radios, uh, the TV stations are calling us. Can you do the five thirty news? Absolutely. Where'd you get this information? I said, it's your information. <laughs> it's your information. I said, I, I just read the report that you put out. That's yeah, all. <laughs> yeah. You know. I said, come on, folks. I said, and and so far they've done nothing about it. Absolutely nothing about it. They just coast. You know that that was a direct parallel to me from your story at the Dunes where you got into the business, you understand the business so that you can go and sell and market it to, you got into the information that the CalPERS report puts mm-hmm. out and your, your banking background, you understand the, the numbers and, and just turn, turn around a message around it. Exactly. And, and, and That's I think a lot, a lot of people, I think, appreciated the fact that we were, they were getting an education on a lot of stuff. The, the one with the bear on the flag we had the bear running through the for, running through the forest at Lake Tahoe with the flag, and and the and the bear goes, "I don't have to be on the flag. I don't have to be on the flag." The bear was even leaving <laughs> California. Everybody was leaving California. So the California state flag has a bear on it. Yes, and your your <laughs> your commercial is the bear running out of California, carrying the flag without the bear on it. <laughs> Oh, it and and of course, that's what is, funny. Did we get a response? You better believe we that's did. That's hysterical. Oh, we we <laughs> said listen, and and my staff. What an image that is. And my staff, we, we somebody said uh, the, the the speech writer for for Arnold was a guy I'd known all my life. He calls me and says Arnold wants to have lunch. I go no. I said no. I says I don't want to get. I said I really like his work. I said, I don't want to, I, he's in a tough spot. You know, I said, it's not his fault. I says, but I got him fired up and more publicity for me. He goes, you son of a bitch. I knew you, that's what you were doing. He goes, but I, I said, and he was a good guy. He says, I write his speeches. I said, well, there's, in the speech it says, and this speech was written by Summer Hollingsworth. He goes, you're going to get me fired. But he said, you you really got to him. He says, Here, he, says he told me, he's right. This, this state is falling apart. He says, it's coming unglued. The problem we have now is that, is they're coming here, and they want all the same freebies they have over there. And I feel bad for them. There's a lot of great people over there, but the politicians over there are just out of control. So, so T- Tina Quigley is the new CEO yes. of the LVGEA. <clears throat> I think she's been there for three months, four months, something like that. She recently invited you, Don Snyder, and Mark Fine to come in to her office and talk to the team. What was that like? Uh, it was okay. It was okay. They got uh, to pick your brain. They got to, oh, yeah. the three of you. Yeah, no. what, what were things like T- back then? What's the same? What's different? That was the setting and the, and the conversation. A lot of people, um, a lot of people don't understand the value. I don't know why they don't. The value of what was being done with that ad campaign for almost no money whatsoever. Tina is, uh, I watched her on the other side where she was before she's a amazing absolutely she was a head of the rtc yes absolutely amazing i mean that's that's a bunch of crazy guys over there and she handled it with an iron fist and i told her that i said i love everything you've done over there i said this is what this place needs it needs accountability it doesn't need to wander off into left field there's some some stuff went on when you when you fall back and you look at the total picture of why certain people were were while well, I was still there obviously <laughs> for two years why certain people were hired was all political and it was political to revolve around getting rid 
of the no corporate tax and creating the commerce tax, mm. which all of the interest was all of the income was supposed to all the taxes were supposed to go to the damn schools and they never got a damn dime. That's what it was about. And that and then off of that they spun off the, the marijuana tax was supposed to go to the schools, of which nobody got, the schools didn't get. And it was BS to make Sandoval, who's a wuss, I shouldn't say that because I don't want to get sued, <laughs> but it was to let Sandoval take over the Nevada Development Authority. We were the Development Authority for the state of Nevada, and they knew it. We kicked butt and tipped names. Reno, Northern Nevada, all combined. California couldn't do what we were doing. We're doing it on a shoestring budget, never asking for anything, busting our butts. People who dedicated and said, I, this is the best job I've ever had because look what we're doing for our community. And once you get them thinking that way, it becomes, it becomes like your little brother you know, or your mom or your dad that need help. And that's, that's, that's what we built it around. And I, I didn't, um, yeah, why don't you do this and do that? Because it's not my show, it's their show. If I'm, when I'm gone, they're going to take it over. Well, I didn't know they were going to bring in, you know, different groups of yahoos uh, to take it. Well, no, it was, they didn't give a crap. It was a job. It wasn't a job with me. It was a lifetime ambition. It was, I never thought I would ever have that opportunity to make that kind of a change in this community that I love so much. Again, I hate to go back to this. Las Vegas was our mecca. My mom and dad and I, we were, we were nobodies. We would have had nothing had it not been for Las Vegas. And I'll never forget that. And somebody one time when I was on a plane and a guy mouthed off about Vegas and I went back there. My wife goes, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to kick the shit out of him. And she goes, get the plane. Please don't start another deal. Do it in the terminal where at least I know where the jail is. <laughs> You're clearly a fighter. Would you, would you say Tina's a fighter? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, Does I she fight in the same way you fight? I think so. I think if you tick her off, and I think she, I think she understands that this is what this is all about. She's past. You know what? I was past all the high school crap and 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 stuff like that. It was time now to look at this community. And God, somebody's going to give me a job where I can do something to make this a better place for the people who come here later to live in. Unfortunately, I have no control over the politicians, you know. Uh, but the long and short of it is, there's only one place like this place on the planet, and. If you're going to diversify, you can't do it with your base. You can't do it with tourism because that's, they're depending on somebody. They don't work mm. here. They're coming here and spending their money. If they don't show up, we're in deep crap. So you have to diversify. The, power, the, uh, the, 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 the water group, they should have been doing this six years ago, diversifying and figuring out what they were going to do. Since Pat's Mulroy, nothing's happened. She's the one that built that underground deal that turned out so well. But, hell, that's almost above water now. And uh, it's, um, you know, I, I'm going to, my wife said the other day, she said, she says, you'll be 79 in December. I says, yes, I will. She goes, are you going to slow down? I says, I pray to God every night that I do not slow down. I said, I love this place. And then people, oh, it's hot. I don't move here. Don't move here if it's hot. I said, it's not hot. I said, first off, I said, what the temperature was, I said, in, 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 uh, in the 1960s. I said, you never see that. I, trust me. I remember 120. They asked the Sahara Hotel to take down their sign and temperature and, and, and time sign because tourists were looking at it and going home. It'd be 95 <laughs> at night. There was no humidity. I said, they said, that's an nothing, excuse. Nothing new under the sun. No, no, yeah. No, absolutely. I said, my mom, when we go out, she'd say, hey, be back when the streetlights go off. You know, be back mm. before the streetlights go off. 
that's 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 the kind of we had a great childhood, mm-hmm. and uh, we used to go across the street to the pasture, which is now uh, Lorenzi Park, and ride the horses all over there for free because you know, we're in a pasture. It's it, I just you know, and I don't mean to get crazy. I would have made a shitty governor because <laughs> I would I end up pa- foaming at the mouth about this community. <laughs> I just think we still. You should run for governor. <laughs> Listen, I've been thrown out of a couple of places already. I I got into a beef with uh, with uh, Mr. Laxalt. Uh, my Marines had me, got me, and we were having a meeting and it was at closed television. He was up there in Reno when he was Attorney General, and we were down here. And um, it was typical Reno deal, typical Northern Nevada deal, surrounded by all of his buddies. And I've got I've got the general down here. I got a four star Vietnam guy. That's my dear friend. Uh, a, a purple heart I met, four, a purple heart guy, now, all these great people, and they're up there, and he's shooting a shit with the guys up there, not paying attention. And I said, Adam, I said, Adam, I said, you ain't Paul Laxalt, his granddad. Paul mm-hmm. was the greatest guy in the world. I love Paul Laxalt. I said, you're not paying attention to what we're saying. I said, you can't take this election without us down here. He didn't. He didn't. He wasn't to those yahoos up there. And I think the deal was, how are we going to divvy up the money? I don't know what the deal was. It doesn't make any difference. The point was that this is a state. It's not two separate deals. Uh, Pat Mulroy one time, I think I told you that story, though. Which one? We had a problem with, uh, you, she bought the uh, the aquifers. Mm-hmm. Okay, bought these two giant aquifers, going to run the stuff down like they do in California. So the people in that area, the cowboys and all that kind of stuff, and I, I'm no, I've been on a lot of ranches and know cowboys well, they were complaining. There was one guy, older guy, and always wore his hat, and we did uh, the screen TVs, and we once a month we talked about this and see if we could work out a problem. So Pat's, so Pat says, are you coming? I go, oh, Pat, I wouldn't miss it for the world. I says, um, uh, I need to apologize to you now. I said, uh, just okay in case something happens. And she goes, what do you mean? I says, I'm going to take the bull by the horn today. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he's up there mouthing off, and you know, and, and you take our aquifer. I said, first off, I said, we bought that. I said, we paid cash for it. I said, the two biggest aquifers up there was available for you, but you obviously didn't have the money or you didn't need it. Well, you know, I said, no, I'm not finished. I said, uh, it works in California. It could work here. I said, and, I, and he starts yelling and screaming. I said, okay, calm down, calm down. I says, let me tell you the bottom line for you. If you don't let us do that, you don't survive without the tax base from Southern Nevada. I'd cut you off so fast that that cowboy hat would spin for a week and a half. He goes berserko. I keep drilling him while he's going berserko. Yeah, you guys, we do run the state. That's our tax dollars that are paying for everything that you want up there. I says, you could kiss my fanny. I says, because there ain't no way that I'd let you have another dime. I says, you're part of the state or you're not part of the state. And I says, and boy, I hope our tax dollars, I said, maybe we should start spending more tax dollars down here and cut you off. I said, all we got to do is get a Southern Nevada uh, governor. And he went berserk. That was the last meeting we had. There was no more meetings. But that was my point. Did you get the result that you wanted? No. Well, for him, I'm going nuts. But no, no, of course not. No, we never got, they, they didn't want to hear about it up there. You remind me, so I, I think we were at, uh, it was either at a breakfast that we had that my father-in-law organized when Victor Chaltiel decided he wanted to run for mayor and wanted to get your opinion on that. 
And I think Sig Rogich actually might have been advising his campaign. Could Maybe that was the connection. I remember we were at the Four Seasons at the veranda, and you were telling a story. You tell me if I'm remembering this right or, or not. You were telling a story. Somebody put you in charge of the taxi cab authority meetings. Oh, yeah, Governor Bryan. And then I remember you were like, the descri- you'll describe it in a second, but you were describing they were Do you a want to total hear shit show. And you came in the, yeah, I want to hear Okay, it. I get a letter, I get a call from Dick Bryan, who's governor. He was, I handled his, I was his treasurer for some local campaign. Mm-hmm. So Dick calls and says, I need your help. I go, what's that? He goes, I want you to be the chairman of the Nevada Tax Cab Authority, or Las Vegas Tax Cab Authority, what the hell it was. I said, okay. He goes, that easy? I go, for you, i do anything. This is a guy who flew home every weekend from Washington to make sure everything was okay here. Unbelievable human being. So... I go sit on the board, and uh, we're getting through stuff. And and my my number one guy that works there permanently is a cop, and he kind of calms things down. And yet the unions and all that kind of stuff. So we go through about probably two or three weeks, uh, uh, you know, I mean two or three meetings, and it's all good and everything like that. Well, the union gets all fired up. And they're sick and tired, and they think the union, everybody should be unionized, but they want to do it by scaring the heck out of everybody. So they send this goon in from Chicago. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I go, don't I said, I, I, got, I got mob guys here. I said, I don't need you. He sits out there, and he's causing mass confusion. And he's screaming at us, calling us dirty names and stuff like that. And he's sitting right there in the first row. And um, got his T-shirt on all rolled up and tattoos and all the thing he can do. And he's blah, 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 blah. So our cop gets up and says, we're going we're gonna to go in. Let's just take a break. We're going to take a break. Let's take a break. We'll take a break. So everybody goes in there, and I'm, I'm sitting in my chair, and he comes out. He goes, you're going to take a break? And I go, no. And he goes, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He goes, you want me to be out here? And I go, no. I don't, I don't need you. I said, just, you know, it's going to be fun. Watch. So he leaves. The guy's sitting there, and I says, I says uh, hey, Herbie. Is that your name, Herbie? No, it's not Herbie. I said, well, then whatever your name is, I says, you goomba. I said, kiss my ass. <laughs> what? I says, kiss my ass. <laughs> I said, you shut your mouth, you quit cussing, or I personally will throw your ass out that door. I said, let me tell you a little story about Vegas guys. Chicago guys don't last a day here. I said, I will whip your butt so bad your mom won't recognize you. He's sitting there like this. And I said, you understand me? I said, I don't know what language you speak. I said, you were getting pretty mouthy here, calling my people sons of bitches and assholes. I said, don't you ever do that again. I said, now you get up and get your ass out of here. And he got up and walked out and stayed outside. And uh, the, the, the guy goes back in, my, my guy, and he goes, you're crazy. I said, no, I'm not. I said, I already had him keyed. I knew exactly what I was going to hit him with. I said, that vacant chair next to him, I was going to take him out with that. And he looks at me and he goes, oh, my God. I says, I've been beat up so bad for so many years. I, don't, I says, I'm pretty, I'm pretty hard about this thing. I said, I'm going to take that from him and have him intimidate these one guy, intimidate this whole place. And that's when, and then you had the old Jews that owned the cab, the one cab company. He comes over and he goes, Jesus. Thank you. And I says, you're welcome. I says, I don't want you guys, if it, if you have money in your pocket, do it. I says, and you want to sell it or whatever. I says, but that's your livelihood. He goes, they want to, they want to take a fortune from us. You know, he says, they're worse than the mob. And I'm looking at him going, the, the Jewish mob? And he goes, no, 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 not the Jewish mob. He says, that's another one. But it was, it's my town. 
and you're not going to talk to my people like that. And uh, uh, I, I listen. I, I you know I don't. I'm, I thank God every night uh, for the length of time I've had, but for taking such good care of all of us here. It's just. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's it's an, an obsession with me. I think and the older I get, the more afraid I get. You know that I'm not going to be around for something. Tina is phenomenal. I watched her at the other place. She put up with those uh, hard-headed guys. I mean, she didn't take crap off of anybody, and that's what it takes. It doesn't take a showboat to go in there and spend. $350,000 a year on salary and get absolutely nothing accomplished, especially when you're talking about, well, we, we're diversifying with all these different groups, uh, football, basketball. No, you're not. Your base that's coming is getting bigger, undiversified. And that's what you got to do. You got to bring people in that will offset that. I don't know how we're going to do it, but, uh, but it's something that we've got to do. Maybe what we need to do is we need to take some of that state money uh, was it 3.5 billion missing that the governor supposedly was supposed to get? Maybe we take that money and we and the state bills warehousing, and they're going to blow it anyway. So what the hell? Blow it on something that's already there and say we'll give you this six months for free. Now we start to diversify this, but get outside the box and quit worrying about your next election. I don't give a rat's fanny if you get elected or not. You know, yeah, I really don't. Sister Lack and I almost went to it in his office before I left the Nevada Development Authority. <laughs> oh, yeah, he got in my face. I came with a half an inch of cold cock in him. And I said, you know what? I, you better not do that. You, you just, don't take prisoners. Just, you know, you, you, Democrat or Republican. Just, just ease on out of here. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he, was a, he was a phone company guy. You know, they sold you those useless furs and backed it with, with jewelry that was worth more than what you paid for the vitamins. God, what is he talking about? And they finally, they were illegal nationwide, and they made them all go away. That was his background. So I, when I was preparing for this, I was thinking about what... what uh, Send it to Sistelec. Yeah, no. well, <laughs> I'm not sending it to anybody. It's going to be out there. Anybody can listen if they want. What I like about what we're talking about is, you know, I made the joke, but seriously, you're not taking prisoners from a Republican or a Democratic standpoint. Your, your party, per se, is Las Vegas. Yes. That's what it sounds like to yes. me. But when I was thinking about you and uh, my, you know, the half a dozen times that I've observed you over the last however many years, you're certainly enthusiastic. You have another ingredient that you're optimistic and you're clearly a fighter. Oh, yeah. And why I was asking, like, do you think Tina's a fighter? I've, I'm the current president of an an, an, um, association called NAOP, it's the Association for the Commercial Real Estate Development Industry. One of the first things Tina did when she got into the post at the LVGEA, she said it like, you know, I get to ask a lot of dumb questions because I'm new here. And why don't we have a relationship with you guys? Why doesn't the LVGEA have a relationship with an AOP? It seems to me like we're hand in glove. And and then you get all the answers. Well, here's what the LVGEA did. Here's what the LVGEA did. Here Now, there's three sides to every story, as we know. Right. But she was asking our side, and some folks were vocal with her. Because uh, she asked for it. Please be candid. Sure, cool. of course. And she's like, well, I think it's obvious that we should have a relationship. We should have a relationship. So I've got to interact with her quite a bit in the last, um, I don't know how long she's been in her post, five months, six months, whatever it is. Uh, we had her on at one of our breakfast programs. Once a month, we have a breakfast program, 200 some odd people. And I got to introduce her with the other panelists. And I'm thinking like, Tina, Tina, what, you know, I don't like reading the full bio. I want to like speak to the person. And what I keyed in on for her is she is 
and enthusiastic and optimistic. And I've never seen her fighting side, but you guys have similar ingredients. Well, and and we should we should be in, we should all be involved together for the good of this community. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's it's that's that's the purpose. And if, if and, and they should speak up if somebody's not doing what they think you should do and saying, wait a minute. We're going to sit down and talk to you now, privately, but in public. If you don't, if you don't get involved with us, and 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 uh, my real estate has, you know, I never was very good at real estate, but real estate really has saved my bacon. I mean, I got my IRA and all that kind of stuff, but when I bought the condos and the rent on those is phenomenal. And my my the house that that I had, yeah, I knew what it would, I thought it would be worth. I didn't think it'd be worth six hundred thousand dollars. So now we got a free and clear house. And we and it's small. It's it's in a gated community. Whoa, HOAs fifty five plus. Whoa, those old people are brutal. They try and kill each other. <laughs> oh my God, I, I'm sw- I don't go to the meetings anymore. You, you don't run those anymore. No, it's not, <laughs> you've had your fill. Oh, the elderly people get up and jump up and down, and scream and yell at each other. They're worse and, than the know, Italian guy at the taxi meeting. Yeah, they, well, I got one Italian guy that's so, he's so funny, and he worked. The funny part is, he goes. Uh, where do I know you from? <laughs> and I go, uh, Joy, Joy Cusimano? No. I said, Tony Spilatra? Uh-uh, not Tony. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he was, he was uh, back in the old days. No, everybody should, there should be, it's not, you never saw us stand up and run a banner, hey, look at us, yay, yay, yay. We were this quiet group nobody even knew existed trying to do that. Well, imagine if we had you guys involved, and let's say that, you guys built the program to take to the governor and say that $3.5 million should be used to build spec warehouses, bring water to it, and let's see what happens. Mm. you got an asset at least, yeah. and no telling what they're going to spend it on. You may not have an asset. Or maybe we say, hey, how do we get involved with that, uh, uh, that lithium plant up there, and uh, uh, that giant is the biggest in the world outside of Tonopah. I mean, somebody needs to, I don't want the government to come in and take it over. Of course, if I owned it, and that guy's apparently owned it all of his life, he's, he could be up there with, uh, with some very rich people. But no, it's, I, I, and, and, and the housing industry keeps us alive here. It's, uh, it's extremely important. We have, we have so much going right as a city. There's so much going right, and I think if we screw it up, it's because we're just not getting yes. out of our own way. Um, you know, we've covered a lot. I mean, it's been a fantastic conversation ranging from uh, well, time and places and people, certainly a lot of people. I have, a, I have a perfect ending question. I think it's a perfect ending question for you. What advice would you give a young Las Vegan on what they need to do to build a successful life in this city? Uh, well, I think, number one, they need, to, they need to really, if they've got some prejudices, they need to get rid of them. It's a whole different ball game. For me, it was never a different ball game because that's the way I was raised is, you know, hey, we all need space on this planet. And that's the first thing. They got to be honest with themselves. And damn it, if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. So don't get pulled into a deal. And, oh, my God, I'm going to make um, it's, it's, uh, bottle caps are worth $250,000. Oh, I love that uh, cyber stuff. But just... They just have, and they have to believe in themselves. And don't be afraid to express your opinion. Just because a guy's got a lot of money doesn't mean he's smart and he knows what he's doing. It, that's not the fact. So you go, geez, he knows what he's talking about because he's made a lot of money. You know, maybe not. Maybe he bought land in Las Vegas and waited 20 years and became a billionaire. You know, I wish I'd have done that. I wish I'd have bought the property across the street from where I was living. But it's, um, 
You have to be, and you have to carry that into your personal life. It can't be a facade. It's got to be what you're all about. You're empl- and again, I can't, uh, employees, my God, they make it work. They make it work. I've, I've seen companies that had this great guy, but he was jealous of the employee, so he hired mediocre people. He couldn't do all the work. It all falls back on him. You need the people that are going to be there when you're getting a firefight. You know, you don't want them to go away. And uh, that's just the way that I've, I've always done it. I've got some, like I said, I don't have a lot of friends, obviously. But you know what? They sure as shit know where I stand. And that's, that's the in that and out of something. it. The future of this town, I agree with you 100%, has just begun. we got to do it right. We need, we need people at the helm of the water district, the power company, that are part of this community, that are saying, hey, we're having a meeting. I need to tell you what we're going to do and what we're looking at instead of us watching the paper and finding out we got another guy with a hole in his head sitting in a bucket. I know who that was, by the way, I think. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I always wonder what happened to Johnny Smith. <laughs> he just went, whoo, he just went away. <laughs> he, the, the FBI came to my office when I was in the banking business and says, uh, do you know Johnny Smith? I go, yeah. Well, what do you know about him? I said, I don't know. I haven't seen him in two years. Well, didn't you bank him over at Bank of Las Vegas? I said, he was Bank of Las Vegas client, and I serviced him. But I says, I, I can't bring him over here, you know. Okay, why? Well, we found his car inside of the uh, parking lot of, uh, of uh, one of the hotels, and it's wiped clean, brand-new Cadillac, and he's disappeared. I go, well, call Kansas City. They may know where he is because <laughs> he worked for the Kansas City mob. And they go, uh, well, thank you very much. And he said, why didn't you bring him over here? Not my customer, Bank of Las Vegas. I said, I, that bank, I don't give a damn. If it was the best customer they had. I didn't go after them. Mm. I said, they gave me a gift when they trained me. And he looked at me and he goes, really? And I go, yeah. I said, how do I pay him back? I haven't got any. I, I don't make a lot of money, but I said, they, they trained me. They told me all the secrets. I said, so I know how it works. I said, but I'm not going to do it over here. The Pioneer was the northern group of, mm. you know, northern Italians that owned that bank too. Good people. Sweet people. Just just didn't understand Vegas mm-hmm. at all. It was like they were going, what are we doing here? <clears throat> well, this has been a real treat for me. Well, thank it's you. It's been a lot been of a fun. Treat for me. I appreciate this so much. I don't get to, to you know, sit down with somebody that's been here and grown up here that much. My daughter, my well, both my daughters are. Uh, the, the oldest and the youngest were both born here. The oldest is works for a huge pharmaceutical company. She's an OBGYN. She lives in Lake Forest, just outside Chicago. And then the other one is uh, here. She's, uh, she's 31. She's a, graduated from UNLV Hotel Administration, was with the Wynn for seven years. Wynn laid off all of their stuff because there was no more bringing anybody to town. And um, she just didn't feel like it's the hotel industry is where she really wanted to be. So she's uh, a really smart kid and, and a sweetheart. And she's looking for, she's out looking for a job again. She's got a job, but she says, Dad, I got to do better. You know, she said, I'm educated. And I said, you didn't go to the win. She goes, Dan, it, it's, it's weird. It's a weird industry. You know, it's like they don't really, there's no relationship ever built there except with the upper echelon. So mm-hmm. I said, don't worry about it. I said, you'll find something. But um, no. And if I can ever do anything for you, I'm more than happy to. But yes, all these organizations should get together. There's more, there's more power. There's more money when you get together. And now you're speaking with all the voices. You know, they get tired of seeing the same person up there mm-hmm. and going, ah, oh, geez, 
So you bring them all together, and uh, especially with a leader like you, this is amazing. I am flabbergasted. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Last time I saw this was at a topless bar. <laughs> and I got thrown out for throwing change on the stage. Can you believe that? I was, my feelings were so hurt. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that probably, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, well, this has been ever, great. If I can ever help you uh, with anything, I'm more than happy to. But Thank yeah, you. and Tina is, and and you know, I'm gonna. I I called Perry the other day to talk to him a little bit, see how she's doing. But no, she's she's got big gahoolies, and she knows where, and she's made. You know, she's passed. She knows what she wants to do, mm-hmm. and she knows what's right and what's wrong, but she knows what's good for the community. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we've got a chance to blow this thing wide open. And we just got to get sense about us. And if somebody wants to build in Utah, we don't finance him, you know, for 6,000 homes. The shock to me was um, um, the group out of Texas. They built my con- my home in the thing. What is it? The Texas, they built the big builders. <clears throat> God, I can't think of their name. Anyway, they, um, um, what was I going to tell you that they did? They, they did something that was... Oh, oh, oh! They had a track. They had they had a, 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 a home builder. They built the, all these homes. I'm looking at it. It's on the other side, across from from Skyview or Meadview or wherever that place is, on the way to Mount Charleston. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's over there. Well, in the middle of the desert. And I'm thinking, why would you? Well, now you got to bring water to that. But it was like a 2,900 square foot home, maybe 3,000 square feet, a track home, and the price was eighty thousand dollars. I'm going, and the first thing I thought was, wow, I sure hope they got a low rate for the mortgage. Well, that's when the rates went bam and jumped up. So an $80,000 track home? Do people from California have that kind of money? Is that what you're seeing out there? 80 or 800? It was eight. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, 800,000. 800. 800,000. And I about died. Yeah. I got 600,000. Mine was 6,000 square feet. I got 600,000. And I went, thank you, baby Jesus. That was a heck of a price for me. And it saved us, boy. You know, it it worked out. Your buddy, your buddy that, uh, yes, yes, you out really helps you out. He's, uh, he, um, he's a, he's a, he's a cowboy. (laughs) He's he's, he's something else, but thank you again. It's my pleasure. Yeah. And I'll I'll be happy to help you any way I can. Thank you for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Takeaways podcast is about sharing and paying it forward. If you like this show, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. It really goes a long way. And if you really like the show, please share takeaways with a friend. Thank you and tune in next time.